Train Hard Lift Strong family, what's going on everyone? You know who I am? I'm your host, Coach Matt, owner of Athletic Being Training and Apparel. And today on the show, we have an amazing guest speaker, a speed coach, a sports broadcaster, and a girl who plays on Team Canada football. Truly an amazing person. And if you really, if you really want to get fast, y'all, I'm telling you, you want to get faster in your sprint. You just want to be quicker as an athlete, as an individual, whenever you're training. This girl right here, she knows it. She knows exactly what she's doing. She knows exactly how to get you faster. She also drops some incredible sprint tips inside this interview. Not only that, but there are things that you might think that are helping you get faster, but they're not. And she busts those things. And I'm so excited for you to listen to. I learned so much in this interview, and I know every single one of you will too. All right, but before we hop in, let me share with y'all a few things. Number one, one of the biggest things we got going on right now, I just recently launched an amazing website that's going to give you amazing workouts on the go wherever you go, okay, free and paid, and you're going to be inside of a group of amazing people who are also striving to achieve the most amazing physical, emotional, mental health and body goals they can possibly accomplish together. And if you head over to EliteHitPerformance.com, you can check out all the amazing stuff, okay? Elite, the way it's spelled, HIT is H-I-I-T, as in High Intensive Interval Training, and then Performance.com. All right, y'all. And if you leave a nice little five-star review here for the podcast, it truly means so much to us here, okay? It really helps me get amazing feedback from every single one of you with our guest speaker interviews, with my solo uh, you know, podcast episodes. Anything that you're gathering from this truly means the world to us here, and it helps other people across the world who want to hear some inspiration and motivation to get them ready and you know, pushing for their goals, for their health, for their body, just overall wanting to accomplish what they want to make themselves confident inside themselves, if you leave a nice little five-star review for the show, it really helps those people who really need to hear it too find us that much faster. All right, y'all? And if you are struggling with staying hydrated, liquidiv.com has, has it all, okay? Immunity, hydration, energy, the chemical transition, the transportation that your body takes water and absorbs it with, all that scientific stuff that goes with it are in these amazing little packets that you just put inside of a water bottle and it hydrates you just as much as if you were to drink three to four bottles of water. Now imagine that. So if you're struggling with drinking enough water, liquidiv.com, use promo code TRAINHARD to save you 25% off. And ladies and gentlemen, let's dive into this episode and let's welcome Amanda Ruler. We need to do, we need to work on max velocity training. Wow. Because if you keep running at the same speed over and over and over again, your, your brain actually records that speed and then you never run faster. You'll always run that same <laughs> speed. You'll never, you'll always run that same speed. Right, right. But you'll never, you'll never get faster. So work on max velocity training in different ways. Hey everyone, Coach Matt here and you're listening to the Train Hard Live Strong Podcast where we bring on the top fitness pros, top fitness influencers, motivational speakers, and people who have gone through dramatic transformations And we're all here to inspire you to believe in yourself. If you have not yet, go ahead and check out our website, trainhardliftstrong.com. You can see all the new upcoming guest speakers and all the amazing things coming your way. Welcome to another life-changing episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode here on the Train Hard Live Strong Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Matt, and today we have an amazing guest speaker on the show. Truly, so much greatness inside this guest speaker. I cannot wait for you to hear, but ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Amanda Ruler. Hey, Amanda, how you doing? Good, definitely. Thanks for having me today. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, it's you have so much cool things about you, especially with everything you're doing and just the passion you have with inside your, you know, your sport and, and just movement overall. It's so cool. So I cannot wait for you to, or for all of us to hear about you. Of course. Yeah. Um, anything you want to ask, go for it. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. We're going to get into it. So uh, Amanda, for anyone who doesn't know who you are, our current listeners, future listeners, 
can you give us like a nice little background story on just how you got into, you know, fitness, movement, sports and all that good stuff? Yeah, well, definitely. I started when I was very young from the age of six, I was in figure skating and gymnastics. And I would suggest that for any athlete just starting out to gain a yeah. uh, ba- base for your sport, right? Yeah. Um, moving forward in life, like I was, since I was six, I was in sports. So I was in that track and field, soccer. I went to the University of Regina and was on the track team there. Um, where I broke a few records in 60, 300 meter and four by two uh, relays. Well, uh, whereas I was also on the soccer team there um, in the first year, and it was quite hard to balance both because um, I quite enjoyed soccer. I played it my entire life. Mm-hmm. I excelled more at track and field at the CIS level. And after that, I was recruited to come um, do some pushing for the Canadian bobsled team, as well as I started sliding for the Canadian skeleton team. I moved on to the Legends Football League in the States, uh, where I played professional football on TV, actually. Um, We were on the O network. So I played for the LA Temptations. And then I moved to the Atlanta Steam team because I wanted to see all of uh, the United States had to offer for that. So I kind of traded myself and we could talk about that. (laughs) As well as from there, now I I played on the Canadian football team, which is uh, the world's team. So it's a little bit different than the Legends League. So I play against Team USA, Team Britain, um, all the countries. And Uh from there, um, I compete in Olympic lifting. So I hold my provincial record for snatch and clean and jerk, as well Mm. as the total. And I compete for Team Saskatchewan. um, And I think that's all the athletics that I do. But I do have a Bachelor's of Kinesiology as well as a certified strength and conditioning specialist and a certified exercise physiologist where I work with athletes specifically Mm. on speed training. So I work with football players um, at, I used, I worked with football players at the university level right now, just um, a lot of individual athletes, hockey players, football athletes, Olympic lifters, anyone that needs to gain speed in their speed and power sport. Dang. Well, wow. That just so much to absorb right there already. See, I, I told y'all she's got so much amazing stuff. So that's so cool. All the, that major story of all these athletics is, is so incredible. What, what you do so much different things. It seems like you just love like fitness movement, what the body's capable of like accomplishing, especially yours individually. Um, is that, is that kind of truer? Yeah, I, I like that what the body has to offer for us as far as peak performance wise. Mm. Um, I think it's quite interesting how far we can push our bodies in a scientific manner, like how we could get, we could always get a little bit faster. We can always get a little bit stronger. Um, I always think it's interesting. People want to work out just for vanity. It's like, okay, well, how about you want to push your body to the limits? How about getting stronger? You don't have to necessarily get faster if you don't want to, but just gaining personal bests or personal records and um, maybe being able to lift a weight you couldn't for maybe functional fitness, like being able to pick up your kids, um, maybe being able to bend over and pick up something or being able to run down the block. That's functional fitness for your future, right? So we're not trying to get the biggest muscles, honestly, just trying to get uh, strong, powerful, and have functional fitness for life because you need to be mobile for life. And I think that's what attracted me to the, I would say the athletic community. I don't even like to call it the fitness community because there's so many, yeah. there's so many dark horses dark, and fake profits on mm-hmm. um, especially social media that say train this way and you'll become me. And that's definitely not the case. We all can't train the same. So I think it s- speaks volumes for indiv- individual, individual programs for that uh, person and being able to touch on that and figuring out what do you need for athletics or nutrition wise to peak your performance. Yes. Wow. I, I love everything you just said. And I, I a thousand percent agree. It's everyone trains differently. Everyone is different. Like, and just as you, as you already know, it even just coming down to genetics, people are built differently. You know, someone can be a very good sprinter and someone cannot be a good sprinter. Someone could need more and more training on sprinting and someone could just be naturally good at it. You know, there's so much different things. And obviously, you know, more than I do in sprinting, but you know, whenever it comes down to, I've trained people with, you know, weightlifting, powerlifting, weight loss, and everyone needs a different approach. Everyone Mm -hmm. needs a different way to achieve their goals that they have for themselves. And, uh, and yes, there are a lot of things out there nowadays that, you know, show a picture and this picture is like so edited and so many filters on top of it. And then all these females or males look at this and think that this is how I'm supposed to look like when in reality, you're supposed to look like you and you're supposed to push for what you want and what you see in comparison to somebody else's 
that's their life. That's their body. That's their physique. That's their performance. You have to do the best that you can do. Um, and I think that's, I love that you said everything you just said for sure. hundred percent. Um, one thing me and you were talking about before, um, was you said that there is a, there's a sprint like limit age, right? Yeah. When you look at different peak performances for gender wise, um, actually females peak later in life for speed. And I think that's quite interesting because I am kind of in that peak performance range because Mm -hmm. you could be anywhere from 30 to 35 where women peak for speed wise and I'm 32. So I'm right in the range where I'm still peaking for my speed range. So I can still be strong and fast. So Mm -hmm. why would I not push that to the absolute limits? Whereas other people are thinking 32, you need to settle down, especially as a woman settle mm-hmm. down, probably have some kids. Well, in, mm-hmm. a lot, a lot in uh, my community, that's a huge factor for growing at oh, my really? age is, is having a kid. That's a uh-huh. success measurement. And oh. for me, success means actually pushing your limits to your body. And that's just my personal journey and who I am. And I think that if I, I don't want to put that on anyone. I don't want to say that your success needs to be measured by my account. And definitely their success meter is not measured. Like they don't have to put that on me and say, I'm not successful because I don't have kids. Mm-hmm. I see my success is pushing my body to the absolute limit. If I'm still peaking um, for my speed wise, I still want to utilize that as far as I can. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Just like we've been saying, man, everyone is just their own self. You know, success is viewed differently. There's many definitions for different things, you know, for individual people. Um, and, and I think that's awesome. One thing that, that I know that you're going to do, because, Putting my mentality in your shoes, if that was a statistic that I was reading, right, you know, peak performance for sprint is 30 to 35. And I'm like, you know, 32 or 33. I'm going to try to even escalate that more, you know, like Mm -hmm. in my mind, I would want to be like, you know what, I'm going to change that statistic to 35 to 40 and make it that that's the peak one, you know, so can because why should we be held back through something that I guess has been statistically proven or whatever, when you know, everyone is different. That's why there has been records that have been broken. That's why there's been mile times that have been broken. You know, deadlift uh, max outs have been broken. And people think that the body is not capable of doing certain things, but all it takes is that one person, you know, and all it can take is you to, to peak perform at like 37, 38. And like you break that statistic. Is that something that you're trying to do? Yeah, I, I definitely say that's something I try to do. And every time they do put these averages out, it is the average individual, right? So mm-hmm. they say the average woman would peak that's in elite athletics would mm. peak around 30 to 35. Um, I definitely, I think that there's outliers out there that are pushing the boundaries and I want to make that more like the norm. Like why do we have to always look at these averages and consider that to be the absolute marker for athletic peak performance where you look at football. I will use that as an example because that's been something huge in my life that as a sports broadcaster, I also do sports broadcasting. Um, when you talk yeah. to coaches, when you talk to coaches about athlete football athletes, they say, okay, well, we can't have this running back because they've aged out, but their performance is still good, but they yeah. consider their, their age first, um, whether it be running back to whatever position, but they consider age to be a huge factor. Whereas I honestly would not even consider that. And I don't know why I'm not a football coach, but for me, I would look at their performance has it increased? Has it decreased? Yes. What are yes. these factors? I don't even look at age because I'm an outlier for my age class, um, right. for the average woman. So I just don't see age as almost a factor now because you look at people, and I will give this example, Tom Brady, who is still, you know, killing yeah. it. maybe maybe not the yes. last game against the, the Saints, <laughs> but but we will, say, <laughs> we will say the last few games. I mean, like, Absolutely. He is the age that he is and he takes care of his body. Mm-hmm. Um, so who's to say people are at a certain age have to quit athletics or stop doing what they love? Absolutely. I, that's one thing I feel like I truly enjoy about who you are because I have always been, I've never understood age. Now I get it. We do age over time or whatever, you know, your joints, I guess they take, you know, hits and they just, you know, just years go by and, and things take a toll on your body or whatever. Um, but even for me too, I want to be able to lift, you know, and train heavy and train for strength and just be functional all the way till I'm 90, even a hundred, you know, and I don't know what's going to come in my future. I don't know what's going to happen later on, but what I have control over is today. And when tomorrow comes, I have control over that too. 
So I'm going to do my best just like how you are in defining those things. You know, I want to be able to, uh, you know, back squat, you know, 315, 305, at least 225 when I'm 50, 60. Like, and I feel like if you start not even at a certain age, but if you have an advantage now that we are younger, I guess, you know, teens or 20s or even 30s, or even 40s, you know, start now because obviously your body, it does it will begin to go towards that route a little bit quicker. Um, but do you agree or? Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Like it's hard to say like you're going to um, shut down your body at like a certain age, like say this is the cutoff. Like the more you pre- like prep your body and make sure you're giving it the right love. Say so maybe, okay, I definitely can't train like I was in my 20s. I right. will give you that. But being aware of that and, and looking at more recovery factors and more things that you need, maybe you need a longer warm up. You have to look yes. into your specific body and what it requires and work with that as well. So there's no cookie cutter answer to everyone's training. This is why I do so many uh, individualized things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I work with athletes one on one for speed coaching for their specific sport because technique is so huge warm-ups are so huge we need to look at these factors before we start giving uh the group a workout yeah. why can't we give wh- what i was thankful for is because i had a lot of really good coaches like when i was in track and field my coach actually went around to the group and they, he went around to me how do you feel today because always there's a plan a for your athlete but I think there should be, and my coach taught me this, is there was a plan B because a lot of the time I'd be like, oh, I'm sore, my hamstring sore, um, or I don't feel good. Like he actually asked us like mentally, how do I feel that day? It's and huge. it, which is so huge. And mm-hmm. we could talk about that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he switched it up always because he came in with a plan A, but you have to consider plan B for athletes because there's no cookie cutter way to coach any of them these days. Right. I love that that you're explaining that. I love that you're bringing us there. It's that is someone that even the the uh, average individual can also take in too. It's you know as we begin to age, like I wasn't. Whenever I started when I was thirteen, fourteen, um, I was able to not warm up. I was able to not cool down. I was able to just go in and attack it, and you know get to my one rep max pretty fast. Um, and as I did that over and over again, I wasn't very smart back then, so I did get into injuries. But now, if I do that now, like you know, it doesn't work with my body. I'm, I'm 26, you know, but still I've been training for 13 plus years. I've been doing a lot of stuff and, and, you know, um, especially in the military, there's a lot of stuff wear and tear on my joints and stuff. So I need to take some time to open up my hips before squats. I need to take some time to do some, you know, warm ups before I do sprints or even when I go run and make sure my ankles are good, you know, everything down to my toes now, because of what I enjoy doing. You know, I went to school for this too, and I like mobility. I like functional fitness. I love the body. I love all that stuff. So I like to take time to be one-on-one with myself, body to mind connection. Mind to body connection has always been big to me. Um, And I love that you brought up your coach. That is so good. And I feel like every coach should always do that. What, um, how, how important do you take your mindset now into training yourself and training other people? I think when I was younger, when I was at the university level, I wish that there was more talk of mental health because mm-hmm. that's huge now. But when mm-hmm. I was in sports at a younger age, that wasn't a thing. And mm-hmm. when you did kind of talk about mental health to your friends, it was really taboo. And they're like, yeah. oh, are you sad? Like, are you just sad today? And there wasn't a lot of, there was more of a stigma that yeah. athletes are immune to um these like mental health issues but like what i do preach now is no athlete is immune to a mental health issue and you see that more and more with these some of these athletes considering taking like being tortured in a way that they're taking their own lives and i think that that speaks volumes because a lot of these athletes are very tortured because they are their worst critic like a lot Mm. of because i work with a lot of athletes and i am an athlete myself i am my Mm. absolute worst critic and i'm sure there is it's the same for any um thing really yeah yes <laughs> yeah no kidding right um <laughs> very true but shoot like we need to talk about that even more and like i'm thankful for that they have like these mental health days that people are able to come out and it's not seeking attention it's seeking help because yes. i even like i was my worst critic for a lot of things and me not i never talked to one person about it and the thing is people Same. now still message me saying like oh because I recently lost my cat 
I mean, it's like, it's like stuff like that. And they're like, Oh, it's okay to be vulnerable. Um, on social media. I was like, if you only knew, like I'm at home crying a river cause I lost my cat, but I don't right. always put, put that out on social media. Yeah. And I try to release that as much as I can, but we don't talk about it. And I think it's yes. time that we just like tell people like, I feel crappy. I need some time. I can't Absolutely. just always be at the gym getting mm-hmm. the physical reps in when my mind's not there. Right. Yes. And I think that's when, um, so I guess I'll tell you a story about mine. My training went from as 13, 13 to 19. It was more physical. I wanted to look better, look bigger, not be that kid that was pushed around whenever I played basketball or football or whatever. Then when I enlisted, um, I, I got out of my home in kind of like a bad situation. And when I left, I was on my own for a year and then I enlisted to the military. But within that time frame, a lot of stuff happened and a lot of mental stuff happened. So when I joined the military, I wasn't in the best mindset that I could be in. And whenever I was stationed, uh, I went into basic at 190 and I went and got stationed at 160 pounds. So to me, everything that, that I went through, I've always been very like physically like, you know, I've always wanted that. I've always liked it. So the boot camp stuff, training, and all that stuff was easy. But what really took a big toll on me was how my body changed from all the hard work I put in. And now I'm back to that weak person that I was. And I didn't like that on top of all the other stuff that I was dealing with. So whenever I was going to the gym, it was more of like I pushed for pain. I never pushed for progress. It was always pushed for pain because I wanted to feel something, um, that burn sensation, the uh, achievement sensation, the all the drugs that uh, you know, endorphins and stuff that come through your body naturally. Like those are the things I wanted to feel. Um, but just like any other drug, you get high for a little bit and then you have your lows. And then years, I spent four years in. So when I got out, I wanted to learn more about the mental aspect. And I finally figured out that training is not going to heal your problems. Training is not going to fix what's wrong with, with what is going on inside you as an athlete, as an average person, whatever you're going to have to fix that situation first so that you can perform at your best whenever you do train. And even if you train at your elite self every, every time, but you're miserable at home, who's going to want that? There's no fulfillment in those things. And so I, I learned that way. And that's when I found out that mindset played a huge role in it. Wow. It's, it's cool that you're able to, you know, realize that and share that story. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I, I look back now and I enjoy it. It's something that, uh, you know, uh, like a life learning lesson that I guess you can learn more of if you experienced it yourself. And and I think that's a beautiful thing with inside athletics, with inside fitness, weight loss, muscle growth, competing. Like there's so much stuff that comes your way. Probably you've been through probably so many obstacles, so much things that you had to overcome. And those life lessons, I think, are very valuable to who we become, you know? Oh, 100 percent. They kind of shape who you who you are and who you become. A hundred percent. So what, uh, I, I, one thing that really made me like so fascinated about you was how you play football. I think that is so cool. It, what guided you to the football league? Um, I actually was, um, like I'd always go to CFL games, which is the Canadian football league with my mom and dad. And I remember watching them and I wanted to play. And at the time, my dad's like, there's no football for women at all, like at all, at all. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, dang, like, how do I do this? So I just kept playing the different sports that I was in and kept keeping my nose on the grind, doing track and soccer and getting faster and stronger. And I remember seeing on TV, there was the Legends Football League. This is later in life. Mm-hmm. And I said, like, I'm going to go try out for it. And I drove my car to Los Angeles and I did an open tryout. And they essentially were just like, no, you're too short to play because I'm five feet. Oh, and really? All the girls are five, eight, five, eleven. Like, oh, wow. there's, there's a couple girls that are like 180 pounds and I'm 118. Wow. I would have never and- guessed. Yeah, so I'm quite small. And I remember me thinking like, no, I can't go home. Like I have no nothing to go back to. Like, because I ran the 40 and they're like, you're fast, but like, we can't use you. You're too small. And mm-hmm. um, I couldn't go back home because my, at that time, that was like the year where my dad had brain cancer and he just passed away. So mm-hmm. I didn't want to stay in Canada. So I didn't have any friends or family in the States whatsoever. 
right. um, or a visa. So that was quite, oh, wow. I was basically uh, immigrating to the States for right. nothing. So I ended up going to the practices and I worked my way on the team and I there ended up go. playing. So yeah, yeah exactly. There you right? go. That's good. So I ended up playing for quite a while um, and making that work out for myself. And that's definitely my journey and everyone else doesn't have to go at, go about it that way. Uh, I ended up pushing myself on Team Canada as well because someone had invited me to an open tryout. Mm. But they said, oh, well, you just know the American game. Can you play in this league? And I'm like, yes, for Worlds, <laughs> they actually play the state's rules. So I actually <laughs> know how to play American football. There so I was... Well, people kind of had me on the back burner for that as well, but I kind of worked my way into the scene. So that helped wow. out with that. See, that's awesome. I would never know. That's crazy. You you basically were doubted because of your size, not even your mm-hmm. performance, your size. And then all the situations that you were going through in life, you know, it's all that stuff. That's the, I think it's beautiful on how people take these things and, and they run with it. Like there's so much stuff going against you at that time, but for some reason, what what made you want to push yourself onto that team? Why did you continue to go to practices even though you didn't make it? Like, what was going through your mind? Um, that obviously I couldn't say no. Like, I couldn't go back. I didn't want to come back here because I remember at the time, like, I had just um, lost my dad. I had I didn't want to do skeleton anymore because I wasn't going anywhere with my career. Like, I was not I I was you know I was okay but I wasn't gonna make the Olympic team and that was my huge goal and I know that's like shooting for the stars but I'm like oh I didn't make the Olympic I don't want to keep doing this um so to me it was all or nothing like I had I honestly like I graduated university so I had absolutely nothing to lose wow I was like why not right and you have to kind of push and it's so scary because a lot of people don't want to do this a lot Mm. of people don't want to start over whether it be life events like this or it's relationships or whatever job i had to start over for all of those things right and that was the scariest thing of my life but you know what i was like heck like when else am i going to do this when else am i going to live in the states and make this a thing for myself because before i know it i'll probably be older and regret everything like if i didn't take a chance on anything now so right exactly you made it your only option that was like your only option this was it or nothing Mm -hmm. else yeah. That's crazy. See, that's crazy. It's, and then after that, you come to, so you go back to Canada and you, and you, and you make the team for CFL, right? Um, it's a, like the women's league. So the Canadian yeah. football league is the men's league. And oh, okay. so, yeah, like Canada team, Canada football is a national, like the national women's uh, league sport. So yeah. Got it. Got it. How much different is it from this, from America? Like how much different are the rules and stuff? Um, just from when I played to like in the States, actually, cause on the world's team, they play American rules because it's oh, okay. the world, it's the world's tournament. So right. they actually don't play with the Canadian rules. They play, um, with the American rules. So I actually had no change in anything. So it was perfect oh, for wow. me personally. Right. Yeah, right. Okay, <laughs> yeah. cool. And then obviously there's positions. What position do you play? Um, I played running back when I was at the legends league and then I played corner for team Canada. Oh, because you're fast, huh? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, man. That's awesome. It's as um, one thing I've always enjoyed, always, 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 is whenever uh, a female is able to tap into that athletic side or that masculine side or whatever, but the side of them that is like very strong and powerful, it, weight training, uh, speed and agility, sports, powerlifting, calisthenics, gymnastics, anything like that, um, Whenever a female does it, I think it's so powerful. I think it's incredible because a female goes through so much anyways. Like talking about the the body itself, you know, you have a lot of hormones that come to you every month. You have, you know, the whole birth thing and you have a lot of stuff that just happens inside of a female body. And then when you, whenever a female introduces or taps in the, into their potential of training and fitness and sports, athletics and all that stuff, I think that's like an incredible like power. But especially you as a female – has there been times that you've been doubted in, in your potential or in your, in your performance? Um, to be honest, no, because just because I built up such a strong um, reputation within my community, mm-hmm. um, a lot of, I raced a lot of the boys and I have such a fast 40, uh, 475. I was able to 
there's a lot of male football players I could even beat just in a 40. So yeah. I was never honestly <laughs> doubt, like nobody ever so cool. said, oh, because you're female, you're not strong. I right. proved that over and over again because me, I can snatch basically what the average male can snatch. Mm. Um, there's a lot of things that I've been able to do in my athletic career that's just on par or better than a male. And I will say that here and now. Yeah, hell and yeah. That's why I get asked to coach men. I coach I coach only men, actually. What? I only coach that's men. Crazy. Which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, only, I only coach men. And that's um I'm the first female to do that in my community, uh, be a speed trainer for just men. So mm-hmm. mm, I think nice. that I mean, maybe behind honestly, to my face, not a lot. And right. maybe behind my back. I had some people when I was first starting in like sports broadcasting. Um, say to me like oh like this is a very male driven industry I don't think you have a shot and I was told that to my face Um, but it was actually quite interesting because I actually um, use that as fuel for my everything I do because that person is still very stagnant in their career and I have flourished in mine so I feel like I've already kind of I don't have to say it but prove them wrong (laughs) yes absolutely every Yes, I, I think that is too masculine. I don't believe in none of that. It's, you know, there's tons of, just like how you've been saying and that you've been proven, there's so many females that can do remarkable things. And uh, just because something is too masculine, like I don't understand what that could possibly mean because females are also masculine when it comes to times like these and males are feminine sometimes. So it's like, you know, there's a lot of different things we shouldn't have to judge based off something like that. So I think that's so powerful that you took it and then you just pushed through the walls. And now you've just like you said, you've flourished in what you want to do and, and what you're doing now, um, especially coaching males. That's so cool. I would have because the way you are, your energy, your positivity, your smile, your vibrant, you know, it's like this. This girl can run. You said four point seven. Mm hmm. Dude, yep. that's crazy. So I could just imagine you just boom taking off with your <laughs> yeah, just blowing off the line. That's crazy. What what do you enjoy about speed training? I think it's something that's very overlooked for a lot of sports, but I think uh, speed is actually the apex of athleticism. And you mm. can quote me on that because it is. If you look at any sport, um, the height and the height of it is always sprinting, right? Right. If if you if we take a look at um, if you guys are watching any NFL games lately, you see uh, DK Metcalf, right? Mm-hmm. We had Buda Baker run with the ball, right? DK Metcalf turned on a dime. He oh. chased him and he was going 20. They clocked him at 22 miles per hour. He chased him all the way down and got him and tackled him. Right. Now, see, that's the thing I get asked quite a bit is why do um, speed training with football athletes? It's because sometimes you need to chase someone <laughs> down and sometimes you're running from someone, right? right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a perfect example because he had really, really great form because sprinting, I think, is something that we overlook as, um, okay, run really fast, move your limbs as fast as possible. Hmm. But if we actually look at sprinting, it's just physics. And I, I hated physics in school, but now like, once I, st- once I started learning that it can be applied to sprinting, I was like, holy smokes. Okay. Now I like physics. Um, yeah. Right. So, cause, cause we look at physics when you're sprinting, all air times are the same, right? Mm-hmm. But if we have somebody that is getting off of the ground and gaining more height in the air, more distance in the air, they are going to be essentially faster than the other person. So how do we what? do that? Perfect technique and perfect form. Mm-hmm. So any sport I like, like Olympic lifting, sprinting, um, I participated in skeleton. Oh my gosh. So much technique form, everything. Like it's like the slightest movements. Yes. You could definitely lose speed. And what I like to say is I say bleed speed. So that, that brings me to individualized sports. And that's what I, I quite love teaching speed because it's so, um, technical in that aspect. You're so right. You're so right. I, I enjoy training athletes just because they're like, I don't, I don't specifically coach like a specific sport. I like to train, especially young teens, on um, everything that you need to become the athlete that you need to become in your sport. And just like you said, speed is what, like what, I don't even know what sport that doesn't really need speed. Like speed's always kind of there, you know? And me personally, I feel amazing with speed training. I feel amazing with 
power movements. I feel amazing with strength movements. Like those are the things that I enjoy, like regular bicep curls and skull crushers and shoulder presses and stuff like that is, you know, it has its place in time, but pushing the body to define certain things like that, I think is, is remarkable. And you as a speed coach and doing all the coaching that you've done, what is like, um, I guess the biggest thing that you see people doing wrong whenever they go for a sprint? Um, when they go for a sprint, the biggest thing is yeah. just the technical training they don't have. Um, okay. It's either overstriding or understriding. And it's wow. it, they're trying to move their limbs as fast as possible. So you're kind of bringing the arms just almost like a little drum, but sometimes mm. they cross over and that's huge. If we can just get the arms in line, that's super huge. Definitely don't need to be stuck at right. 90-90. I teach that to begin with. But wow. if we can just get the arms in line, that's huge. And the biggest thing about sprinting is we're sprinting above the track. Okay. So we're never the, – the forces that we put into the ground are pushing us above and we're basically gliding. So when we are starting our sprinting, we need to push down and back so much that we are basically coming up in an upright position that we're pushing against the ground and it's basically letting us glide. So that's wow. what I like to break down different sprinting techniques into. How can we yeah. push down and back? How can we do upright uh, max velocity type of workouts? And I break it down in two different sections so that we can work on them and then bring them together for a testing day. And the hugest thing is that people keep thinking speed training. So I need to go to the track. I need to sprint really, really fast. I need to do speed ladder. I need to do all the agility, need to move really, really fast. That is not how it is. There is a time and place when I say speed ladder, we use that for agility, warm ups. That is not a speed routine at all. And it just bothers me people saying, oh, should I be using speed ladder with my speed stuff? I don't even like to call it a speed ladder. Just the the ladder. (laughs) The ladder. To kind of leave that out for maybe like an agility day. And I understand, hey, agility, okay, cool. Get the kind of little feet moving, agility, yeah. cool. Not speed whatsoever. Not speed, what? We need to do, we need to work on max velocity training. Wow. Because if you keep running at the same speed over and over and over again, your, your brain actually records that speed and then you never run faster. You'll always run that same speed. You'll never, you always run that same speed. Right, right. But you'll never, you'll never get faster. So work on max velocity training in different ways. Wow, that is crazy. You're blowing my mind right now. That's awesome. So what is, okay, so someone wants to get faster mm-hmm. off, you know, just, just faster 40. Speed ladder, all that stuff, you know, I guess hand-eye coordination, you know, when people do certain things on boxes and stuff. That really doesn't improve speed. No, not, not at all. So what, wow. what's going to improve your speed um, is actually, so there was a, a recent, I'll bring up this article altogether. So when we were working on max velocity, um, there was this um, guy, his name's Ken Clark. He actually did some research on NFL athletes sprinting at the combine. Okay. And he, he measured everyone from the bigs to the littles and that's bigger positions, little positions. Right. And when he found out when we hit maximal velocity is within 20 meters. So oh, 80, wow. 80, 86, 86% of the athletes to 92% of the athletes hit max velocity within 20 meters. So what that teaches us is that when we are working with football athletes or an individual that needs to run a distance example of 40, we can actually run tens, 15s, 20s to improve our max velocity without actually hitting a 40. The biggest thing oh. is people thinking that they need to run 40s to condition for the 40 and you don't have to do that whatsoever. I mean, <laughs> yes, do a 40 in a testing like before we do yeah. our, our maximal testing, okay. but you running 840s is going to do nothing for your 40 time besides blow it Just up. Cardio. <laughs> because, well, because you have to think of central nervous system fatigue, right? Because the yes. farther we go for sprinting, it's actually going to give us more central nervous system fatigue. So if you can run 10, 10 10s at practice and work on stepping down and back and getting up to our um, heightened stance for max velocity okay. or 15s or 20s, it's going to be less fatiguing on our body. And we're able to do that within 48 hours again. Wow. And I know I'm getting like really like passionate about it. I this. love it. Keep it coming. Um, <laughs> so what I would suggest is actually doing um, a heavy speed day where you do do 10s, 20s, or 10s, 15s, or 20s, 
Then we get into uh, in and out. So we would have run 10, float 10, sprint 10 again. So in and outs are super, super huge because they actually work on our hip flexors and extensors Mm -hmm. to challenge our speed to make us faster. And I would do flying sprints. Um, I would do bounding. I would do things in a linear fashion because when we do our field work, that's going to be anything lateral. Right. And in our weight room, we're going to save that for our lateral drills. Yes. Wow. (laughs) Sorry, that was a long answer. I liked it. No, no, you just, (laughs) wow. I, I like blacked out for a second. That's, Okay, I see. I never knew these things. And there's a lot of people who, um, who see you blew my mind with the whole ladder and stuff. After that, it was just like I want to learn more from you. That's, uh, I think it's incredible with how passionate someone can be in their own specific thing. You know, like that's so awesome. Yours is with speed training. I think that's so cool. And you're defining these things and you're explaining what people need to do and what they don't need to do. And because if you talk to the, I guess. Um, person, someone who's not specializing in speed and agility is going to say a speed ladder, you know, is something that helps with speed or, you know, hitting these little fibers is going to help with getting faster. But you're, you obviously are an expert in this and you've defined it with yourself and others. And now you're saying that all you need to do is this, like, that's it. That's going to get you faster. And you're like, I never knew that that whole thing inside your brain, how it peaks at a certain speed whenever you're doing the 40 and See, most people out there are probably, you probably just taught so many of us right now on how to actually do sprint training. That's crazy. Yeah, that's definitely a little tidbit of it. Um, so take that into account when you are working with athletes. Uh-huh. There's there's some more stuff, you, outside work, like you can do reaction drills. That's outside work of yeah. your speed session. Right. And I, I separate those two. Right. Dude, yeah. that's crazy. That's crazy. And Coming from you, whenever you are out there and you're training yourself, you're out mm-hmm. there and it's just you and nobody else, no worries. You know, you're there, you got your, your stuff on and you're ready to roll. What, what do you get emotionally, mentally, whenever you take off off that line and you do your sprint? What is it that, you, that your body grasps from that? I think anyone that's been in a sport for basically 10 years is able to know when they are doing things incorrectly. And I do that with a lot of video feedback. Like I film a lot of my stuff, whether it be sprinting or Olympic lifting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, I'm a no, I would say I'm a novice in Olympic lifting. I've only been doing it for four years now, but sprinting is my jam. So um, 10 jam. years, <laughs> 10 years into it. Um, now I can feel like you can feel when, ah, oh, you know what? I over, I did an overstride or like something like that. Right. And you're able to get back and kind of correct yourself. And you have to be your own critic at this point. I did, you know, at a long time, I had a sprint coach for a really long time. Um, but I learned so, so much from these people. I've had several sprint coaches um, and some have been the best in their Canadian, like best in the Canadian world here. Right, right. And I'm fortunate enough to take on what they've what they've taught me and absorb that and put that into my own training. So I can basically hear my old coaches being like, ah, Amanda, <laughs> that wasn't good enough or right. something, something to that aspect. Uh-huh. So I kind of <laughs> take that. I'm very critical of my own sprinting. So um, okay. I'm definitely not perfect all the time. Right, right. Of just course, like of course. Li- just like Olympic lifting. And my old coach actually said this to me because I ran into him the other day. My old track coach, he's just like, oh, you do Olympic lifting now? And I was like, yeah. He's like, that's even harder than sprinting. I'm like, I don't know, though. Like, <laughs> they're pretty they're pretty on par with each other. So. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Bringing up Olymp- Olympic lifting, um, what uh, – obviously, and I'm just – I guess I'm putting in my perspective, I guess. But you're, whenever you explain everything with sprint training and how to get faster on a sprint, can you – if you get stronger – in the weight room, can that also help you explode faster offline or? A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, okay, okay. When you do explosive type of training example, I will give a loose example, um, box jumps, snatch, clean and jerk. Okay. I was fortunate enough in my track career that my coach actually competed in Olympic lifting in his day. Oh, nice. So he, so he, he was able to write us a, uh, uh, Olympic lifting program to put into our aspect, but we also did power movements. We did deadlift. Yeah. We did uh, a little bit of bench. We did uh, back squat. We did power movements. Mm-hmm. So anything that's going to make you explode out of the bottom, but I will say this, we did it very lightly. We weren't maxing yeah. out. We, we did lightly so we could explode out of the bottom of all these movements. Mm-hmm. And that actually helps the explosive training helps with 
exploding off the line because not only are we getting stronger, our connective tissue and everything that keeps our muscles safe right, is going to prevent us from injuries while we're doing track. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. There hasn't been a lot of studies about Olympic lifting being correlating with sprinting. And I okay. do understand that because a lot of people will push back that, oh, I don't need to do Olympic lifting. My personal experience is that it does help because because there hasn't been enough studies. Right, 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 right. Okay. And, and there's so many coaches that push back and then there's so many coaches that say it does help. And I'm over here and I will, I, I like to hear both sides of an argument. I'm not closed-minded whatsoever. Absolutely. At all. That's why mm-hmm. I say there's two sides to this because if I was closed-minded, I'd be like, oh, Olympic lifting's the answer. Right. But holy <laughs> smokes, it. I have not been this fast. Like, I'm like the same speed I was when I first did track and field. Uh-huh. And like that speaks a lot for me aging and still doing yes. Olympic lifting. And like I'm still getting better at lifting. So both of them actually correlate with each other. And this is quite interesting is that um, when they found in a recent article that I was studying, when they look at sprinting, it actually correlates better with a long, like a standing broad jump uh, length okay. Okay. besides a vertical jump. So if you look at that, why are we not doing sprinting and Olympic lifting? Because Olympic lifting is upward motion with a triple yes. extension and sprinting is a forward motion with a triple extension. So why don't we do both? Look at that. Boom. <laughs> boom there it is. Just boom, yeah. blowing minds right yeah. now. <laughs> that's that's so cool. You, so I don't know. It might be that's outdated like... by the time people listen. It's like, well, that's <laughs> Yeah, what are they talking about? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So, okay. Aside from all that. Let's let's go quickly into like I guess your recovery. Do you still get like because someone who goes for sprints and they're just doing you know forties like you said they think they're doing it right or whatever and they're just doing like ten forties back to back, um and they wake up the next day and they're sore as hell. Do you still wake up like kind of tense or tender? Like do you focus on what you feed your body, how you do your stretches? Like do you focus on things like that when it comes down to your recovery? When I look at any workout that I do or that I um, give an athlete, I never want, well, I never want soreness to be a measurement of the workout being successful. Yes. That's, that's the hugest thing. It's like, I'm not trying to give you hypertrophy gains here. Um, And I understand there is a time and place for that, like the weight room. And I understand there is volume, but when you are working with athletes, it's so important that you look at central Mm. nervous system fatigue and when you Mm. are sprinting and you're heightening that central nervous system your cns you have to give a 48 well a lot of people say if you look at charlie francis um he was a speed coach he looks at like alternating days so they say 48 hours in between Uh um in between a high cns day to the next but i will give that I will say this, if there is an athlete that's totally good, I mean, do what you can. Maybe the when they are a little bit younger, you could not wait 48 hours. You can put a little buffer in between that. But right. I try to I try to kind of stick with 48 hours. And the only thing I want to say is sleep and good nutrition because all of a sudden you're going to get into, "Oh, let's do ice tub, well, ice tubs, okay, whatever floats your boat." We uh-huh. don't need to do all these cool recovery things when honestly what's blatantly looking at you in the face is do a little do some mobility okay get, get some sleep there you go <laughs> have some quality food in your body for fuel and like honestly go. that's huge <laughs> that there it is yes yeah. and ab- absolutely yeah we get so um distracted on on these things you know like oh the, i need to get this ice bath in or i need to do this to that and stuff like that when in reality you know it's been it's been proven that food is medicine it is fuel it is there to help you progress to improve to build to grow you know it that's what it's there for and sleep is by far a huge aspect to anything even you know i work a lot with weight loss people and weight loss alone sleep is crucial you got to have it because we're doing so much you know especially mm-hmm. within the nutrition and lifestyle change is also big too the, the brain needs rest you know the brain the body needs help to recover and if we don't give it that especially whenever you're elite athlete striving for a freaking greatness trying to break records you need to give your body some rest and and i think that's that's it like i agree with you 100 percent on that yeah, um, it it has it comes down to science, and I honestly think that 
what's lacking is sometimes as coaches, and I'm actually speaking on this this afternoon at a panel um, about sports and rec in the community. Mm-hmm. And what uh, the, the biggest thing that I want to talk about is not having coaches be in the community that are educated. Oh, sorry. Rather, I want them to have more education. Yes. You know, we, we have a lot of old school coaches mm-hmm. that are water is weak. And I've had a coach say that to me, like, why would you need water? Water makes you weak. And I hate that kind of mentality. Do laps, <laughs> do laps for like, yeah. punishment or like what the you, you ate cake on the weekend. Okay. You have to do extra laps. Yes. I never want right. to see food as a punishment. Food is not punishment. There's mm. this, I don't look at food bad and good. I look at nutrient dense food and not so nutrient dense. Yes. yes. And I think that when like what I want to bring out into the community is I want to have like almost like virtual conferences and mm-hmm. I will put this on for free to Do help it. like to help coaches like talk about speed training and maybe some nutrition I could get like a nutritionist to come in there I want to help gain more knowledge because with more knowledge just helps the athletes and honestly like that's what I want to see happen yes. and I just I just sometimes feel like People think that they're okay. I'm always right. I need to be, I'm here. I don't want to get any, get any more education. I don't care like what my way has been working and it might not be for every athlete. Mm. So I think right. that pushing that might be a huge thing. Do it girl. Oh my gosh. It's so awesome. Wow. Amanda, you've like, you've seriously blown my mind. You've taught me so much already in this <laughs> little hour that we've talked and Everyone out there right now who is listening that's an elite athlete, who is an average person or maybe has never done anything in their life fitness related, um, you just have now learned so much about sprinting, have so much to learn about um, things that come with being an athlete or even just training at your best self. And just realize that age is just age. Well, obviously, time goes by and we get older and older. But what you do with today is what you do with today to make a better tomorrow. Um, It's so awesome, girl. It's, It's been awesome talking to you. If anyone right now listening right now or in the future where is the best place to find you if they have any questions with sprinting or any questions with coaching or maybe they just want to reach out and say thank you yeah um you can find me on my website amandabolic.com you can find me on twitter amandabolic you guys can find me i stream video games on twitch um at amanda ruler I stream Madden and Call of Duty um, as well as <laughs> Crash go. Bandicoot. Um, <laughs> um, as well as you can find me on Instagram at Amanda Ruler. So those are some socials for you guys. Awesome. Yes, love it. And, and you're a gamer. So dope. Um, everything that she just said, all her links to reach out to her, we'll make it very easy for you all. We'll put it in the show notes. You can just click it. It'll take you to her social uh, media sites. You can say thank you, ask some questions. Obviously, as you already know, she's very intelligent and the body, movement, sports, athletics, definitely sprinting. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, if you have grabbed any sort of value in this episode, all we ask you is simply share it out to a best friend, gym buddy, you know, teammate, anyone, a coach even. Uh, the more people we get to listen to these episodes, the more lives we can all change together. But thank you so much, everyone. And as usual, get out there, train hard. And live strong. Yes. All right, everybody. Peace. You just finished another amazing episode on the Train Hard Live Strong podcast. If you have grabbed any sort of value from this episode, all we ask is you simply share it out to your Instagram story, Snapchat, send it to your best friend. If you want to know when the next amazing episode or guest speakers are coming on the show, make sure to check out our website, trainhardlivestrong.com. And also, if you want to see the sickest apparel, go ahead and check out athleticbeings.com. We'll see you all in the next episode. Coach Matt, peace.